This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is Derek diamond so i finished cobra kai this last week after our big big week full of karate kidness last week <laughs> and, good timing uh, to finish it yeah it was it was great like you we had talked about it off air if they did end it right there if that was the series finale i would be satisfied but i know there's another season coming and they left a little bit little little thread hanging at the end of the the season there it's like the tapestry is complete but there's that one little hanging thread that you could just pull and it unravels the whole thing yeah Yeah, no i that that was my initial thought too when i finished the show i'm like if you if they didn't do the cliffhanger that they did it would have made a great ending to the show but i i don't i'm sure you've heard but there's supposed to be a new karate kid movie coming out in 2024 that they say is a return to that universe but it has nothing to do with cobra kai that is a horrible idea that is the worst idea in the history of bad ideas there's a way that it could work but i don't think they're gonna do it my thought was that i i've wanted cobra kai to end after six seasons now don't get me wrong i love the show it's my favorite show that's going right now but so many shows that are great overstay their welcome Mm -hmm. And they have horrible endings because, like, all the characters have left and they can't wrap up the story in a proper way. Well, they've managed I, I would, to, to stick five seasons so far, so I trust them for a sixth season. I would end after six, and if you want to continue more stories, then do a true Karate Kid 5. And, and have Ralph Macchio, William Zabka, and everyone else, and you can continue that story. Because mm-hmm. I think the karate kid coming back to the big screen would be a big deal. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the success of the show. And you want to have everybody from the show, everybody from the original movies. You, if you're going to stay in that universe and, and, and as popular as Cobra Kai has been to do with new characters and no, nothing to do with Cobra Kai, you're just asking for a backlash that nobody is going to watch. There's a reason they didn't continue that movie with uh, Jackie Chan and Jaden Smith. Yeah, 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 but if they do one more season, they have to bring in Hillary Swank to to close it out. I have a theory on how they can bring her in. She should be Tori's mom. That's not a bad idea at all. <laughs> have uh, now that she's well, I won't say she's completely good, but I could see maybe like something happens where she comes into a lot of money and gives her mom the actual medical care she needs. And it turns out to be Hillary Swank. Yeah. I mean, she's not good or bad. She's kind of chaotic neutral at this point. Which you got to love the chaotic neutral parties because you never know what they're going to (laughs) do. That that show should not work. It's so melodramatic and just like everything is about karate all the time. 
and everybody just fighting. Like every episode, there's like great fight scenes. And that last episode of the season, the entire episode was just one long fight scene. And it's just, you just eat up every bit of it. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I felt like Chosen was the highlight of the whole show. Oh, yeah. He was the best he was part of the la- this last season. He's so good. That, that scene with him, Daniel, and Johnny in the back of the limo singing <laughs> Eye of the Tiger was like top three moment of the entire season for uh, me. The spoilers for anybody that hasn't seen all of Cobra Kai. <laughs> I'm not giving away the story. Just just a moment. That's a That was one of the best moments of the uh, the entire series. Oh, easily. Then easily. You, then you find out who's driving the, the party bus, and it just turns into mass chaos at that point. But glorious chaos. Yes. So good. I want to watch yeah. it all again. It's a great show. But uh, what else? Have you been playing anything this last week other than Crash Bandicoot? Uh, mostly that. Uh, work's been pretty busy. I've got a big video project that, that I'm working on. I think I mentioned this, but we we wrapped the filming of the feature Mm -hmm. last week, so I'm working on some post-production stuff for that. Um, That's really been taking up most of my time, and I've been doing some family stuff, too. So as far as playing stuff, mostly mostly Crash Bandicoot. I'm trying to decide what I want to review next, but I've got a couple of things that, you know, I've, I've got in mind. I got a few. What things, about you? I got a few things I'm going to review next month that are horror related. I bought uh, a game for the Switch earlier this year to specifically to review it at Halloween time, and now I cannot think of the name of it for, to, to, <laughs> to to save my life. But it's a River City Ransom style eight uh, bit game that okay. uh, it's Halloween themed, and I cannot think of the name of it right now. But I will review that next week, and I'll, I'll check with the the. Um, developers and see if i can get maybe some uh some codes to give out if possible um, but yeah I, I october snuck up on me man i came so fast like oh my god I, I gotta start doing my halloween stuff next week yeah saturday's october 1st it's crazy <laughs> to think about it's i always have this struggle with trying to find horror games to review because i didn't grow up with them so it, it's it's a little bit more of a challenge for me, but I, I've got a few in mind. One of them is going to be a Resident Evil game. That'll probably be the last one I review for the month, so I, I have plenty to, of time to play it. I want you to stream that. <laughs> oh, God. I haven't streamed since the pandemic. I know. Since I played Link to the Past. Been a while. That was fun. That was really fun when yeah. you played Link to the Past, and we were both on there, and, I, and we were just doing commentary the whole time. I think the best, though, was when you were playing... Uh, Ninja Turtles and I <laughs> unintentionally led you to a very violent death. <laughs> uh, that was fun times, fun times. And from then on in, when I gave you advice, you sh- I would be like, do the opposite and yeah. you'll be okay. I did pick up Outer Worlds for the PS4 this weekend. I haven't started it yet. I'll probably load it up tomorrow night. Uh, but I've heard good things about that game. And uh, I've, I've seen it. I've been almost pulled the trigger on the Switch a couple of times, but I picked it up for the PS4 at a place here locally. I don't, I don't know if it's a national chain or whatever, but it's kind of like a, it's almost like a thrift store almost. It's called Treasure Hunt, where they get like overstock stuff, and it's stupid, ridiculously cheap. Um, but they had a bunch of PS4 and PS5 games, some Switch games, and a bunch of X-Bone games this weekend and they were like 60% off the whatever the sticker price was 
on the the game itself. So I picked up Outer Worlds for twelve bucks on Saturday. I need to go game hunting again. It, it's it's been like at least a month or two since I've done that. So we we've got a few places around here that I mean we've got a couple of retro gaming stores, but every now and then you'll luck out at like the flea market or somewhere like that where people will be selling stuff that they don't know they have and how valuable it is. Yeah. And I so, did, I did play some Castlevania last night on the Switch, uh, the Castlevania collection. And if you haven't gotten that yet, you are missing out. That is one of the best collections you can get because I love Castlevania. Yeah. That's another thing that the show has introduced me to. Like I knew of Castlevania, but I never played it, but I, I, I enjoy them. I don't play the Castlevania games very often, but when I do, I enjoy them. Yeah, they're so good, and I can't wait for more Castlevania uh, TV show from Netflix. They need to hurry up with the next seasons. Yeah, they do. But, uh, but we've got do. some news stories to get to. You ready to do the news for this evening? Let's do it. Today's stories were submitted to us by Armez Jackson, and if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com in this First story is from uh, Polygon.com. Classic game publisher Sunsoft will try again. Um, it says, Publisher of Blaster Master Batman and Others is reviving its retro back catalog. Please, I do not want to subscribe. Polygon, thank you. Uh, best known for their in the West for their 8-bit era games like Blaster Master, Batman, and Fester's Quest. It's <laughs> attempting to return to publishing and developing video games. You know, they have a great track record with NES games, but that Fester's Quest game, ooh, I, I might have to do the, the re- rewind on that one this month to see if it's still as bad as I remember it being. I'd be a fan. Just let me know when you do it so I can make popcorn. (laughs) All right. Uh, On Thursday, when did this come out? It says, uh, I'm not sure when this article came out, a few days ago. Uh, The new Sunsoft, which technically never went away, outlined its plan to re-release and revive its classic game catalog, starting with Vampire Survivors-inspired Iki Unite and and releases of beloved retro games Gimmick and UFO Aurea. I guess that's how you pronounce it. Euphoria, UFO Aurea for modern platforms. It's even hinting at bringing back Arrow the Acrobat. I remember that game. The anthropomorphic yeah, bat who appears in a pair of Sega Genesis and Super NES games near the peak of the console mascot platformer. Uh, let's see. Uh, General manager of Sunsoft, Yuichi Ochi, told Polygon in an interview Wednesday that Iki Unite is being built upon Vampire Survivor's game design and viral success to help find an audience for Iki Brand which he admitted does not have global awareness. Uh, only slightly better known than Iki are Gimmick uh, and Hebereke, I guess that's how you pronounce it, which features Metroid-like mechanics and was released in North America for the NES under the name UFO Aurea, the saga. But Sunsoft hopes to give these underdog games new levels of exposure by bringing them to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Windows PC via Steam, and Xbox One. I'm happy about Sunsoft bringing these old games back. I hope they do a a whole re-release and remaster of the very first Batman game for the Nintendo, because that game is great. I would not have expected, if we were to make a list of things that we would have talked about in 2022, Sunsoft yeah. making a comeback <laughs> would not have been one of them. But this made me happy 
when I read this a little while ago because, like you said, they have a good track record. You know, minus Fester's Quest, but like right. every developer has some kind of miss. So Blaster Master is they, they, just one of those. It it was an undiscovered gem up until a few years ago, and now it's it's taken its place among you know some of the best Nintendo titles you could get because that game took so many different genres and just smashed them together and made a really good game out of it. I'd also love to play Arrow the Acrobat because I remember hearing about it growing up, but I can never got the chance to play it. I can still think of the the cover art for that. Mm -hmm. Yep, me too. It was, I don't think, it it may have been on a cover of Nintendo Power. I can't remember, but I remember. I think I had that issue. I remember. I remember that character being on the cover of a magazine, and I'm pretty sure it was Nintendo Power. So if that game is released, that'd be one that, you know, I'd love to go back and play. But that's the cool thing about, you know, I, I know we've had the kind of the pros and cons argument of digital, but one of the advantages is that your platforms or developers like Sunsoft can re-release their games pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, that would make a really good collection if oh, they absolutely. put out the Sunsoft collection that has like the original NES Batman, Blaster Master... Yes, even Fester's Quest, but a lot of those Sunsoft games that were on uh, the NES, if they did like a collection, you know, that would be like the cat, like they did the Castlevania collection, the Konami collections that they're doing. I would pay good money for that. To keep up with an alliteration theme, they should call it the Sunsoft Selections. Ooh, I like it. That sounds nice. Blows flows off the tongue. <laughs> where's yeah, our, where's I'd, our I'd, money? I get this. <laughs> exactly. Just, just, we'll just send us a free copy, and yeah. we'll we'll accept that. That'll work. I'll take that. Yeah. From our favorite site, NintendoLife.com, unseen screens of cut Super Mario 64 stage found in 1996 Nintendo report. Always ready to unpack a little more of Nintendo's history, a collaboration between preservation site Forest of Illusion, at Render Archive, and at Nintendoid has amounted in the upload of a long-sought-after Nintendo Company report from 1996. The edition includes a wealth of nostalgic gaming material from sales reports to upcoming hardware features and also gives a look at some exclusive early promo renders. And the best part, it's free to read online, which is great. Uh... Force of Illusions blog has all the things that we would expect to find in Nintendo's yearly roundup, accompanied by images of all its figureheads, meaning Mario, Kirby, Link, etc. But perhaps the most interesting nugget of rare retro goodness comes from the screenshot reel of the 1995 Nintendo 64 B-roll, which which shows a small section of Super Mario 64 in a stage that many diehard fans of the game may not recognize, which is... uh, referred to as the uh, the ghost stage yeah. and you can see there's a, a screen cap of Mario uh, taking on several of the eyeballs mm-hmm. uh, when you go to to boo's mansion that you like run laps around to make them dizzy and you know that's how you kill them this is cool because I remember in early screen caps not uh, this wasn't revealed way back in the day but I, I remember seeing early like a first look at this game and the power meter looked like that. Yeah. It doesn't look like that in the final cut, but it's cool to see stuff like this. Well, you know, it's cool when you see stuff like this because you know that stuff is still buried in the game code itself. So you know some hacker is going to go into that, into it and, and dig deep and find this 
these lost levels and put them out for people to experience. You know somebody's going to do that. No pun intended, right? Yeah. Uh, lost levels. <laughs> yeah, lost levels. <laughs> um, but yeah, this looks really cool. I would love to to actually see this in action because it just looks creepy. Like you got uh, Mario running around a bunch of dismembered eyeballs. Yeah, I always thought those were kind of cool in the in the original version. Like the the Boo's Mansion was one of my favorite stages because you had different layers to it. You had like the the demon pianos. Like those things scared the crap out of yeah. me. Because I remember that when you're trying to find the red coins, there's like a piano in the corner, and as soon as you walk up to it, it's like <laughs> it just goes after you like a rabid dog, and I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> But if you want to see these screenshots, uh, you can go to the article on NintendoLife.com or uh, follow at Forest Illusion on Twitter. On Twitter, yes. Uh, the next story comes from GlobeNewsWire.com. Atari's Recharge series features featured in new retro games category on Stadia. And the reason I put this in there is I didn't know Stadia was still a thing. I uh, didn't either. <laughs> Atari... One of the world's most iconic consumer brands announced today that six games within its Neo Retro Atari Recharge series are now featured within the new Retro Games category on Stadia. Uh, the six games include Breakout, Black Widow, Gravatar, and Yars Recharged, which have launched in the Stadia store. Titles in the Recharge series deliver modern, reimagined versions of some of Atari's best-known games. Uh, and All six of the games are Asteroid, Centipede, Breakout, Yars, Black Widow, and Gravatar. They are available for $9.99 uh, USD on Stadia. I feel like after all these years of occasionally talking about Yars, we should play it. I love Yars Revenge. It's one of the it's one of the top five best Atari games you can play. One that actually I've, takes some skill to play. I've never played it. I we we talk about it at least once a year. So I, I feel like we should do a review for it at some point. It would make a pretty good game for a remake. I don't know. Um, I mean, it says that these are remade uh, from the classic, so I, I don't know. I would be interested to try this, but I don't have Stadia, so I, I there's no way. <laughs> yeah, same. If you still last... have Stadia, let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know how they are. Our last story, this is kind of a breaking news thing. This was actually dropped today from Kotaku.com. Last of Us TV show gets its first full trailer. Uh, today, HBO released the first big trailer for the upcoming Last of Us live-action TV series, which stars Pedro Pascal, who most people know as The Mandalorian, as Joel and Bella Ramsey as Ellie. No specific date has been shared by HBO, but will be premiering sometime in 2023 and there's a link um to the trailer in the article which you can look it up on youtube as well i'm not extremely familiar with the last of us i've played a little bit of it but i will say this as as a fan of of movies and tv it looks really cool mm -hmm. i like pedro pascal a lot i like him in everything he's been in i think he's a good choice for joel and I'm excited for it. You know, this will be up there on my most anticipated releases of 2023 because I'm very curious to see how this shows. And I, I hope it's good because if it's successful, 
we're going to get more video game adaptations. I think this will be successful because they're taking the, the, the material seriously. And, of course, this is HBO Max, so it's not like... As much as I loved The Walking Dead for the first five seasons, there was only so much they could do because it was not network television, but they were working within a certain set of rules. This is like when you're on HBO Max or HBO, there's no rules. So there's no telling how crazy this is going to be. So I, I'm there for it. I I have the game. I have yet to play it, but I'm, I have the remastered version of it. I, I might start doing that this week to get myself more familiar with it. Yeah, I plan on doing the same. I'm very curious as to when in 2023 it's going to come out. My guess would be at the absolute earliest, probably March. Yeah, I'm thinking this is going to be a a late winter release, spring release. Yeah, I I think March or April would would be the ideal time. And I think I need to capture that sound file from The Mandalorian. So whenever we mention anything Mandalorian or Pedro Pascal, it just goes... (laughs) (laughs) Keep telling you, they need to make a Mandalorian video game with the Resident Resident Evil, with the um, Red Dead Dead Redemption Redemption engine. Just let me go out space, let me collect bounties, you know, like, just let me do it. Have you seen the meme of uh, Carl Weathers' character where he offers the Mandalorian money to bring in these these three um, these three targets? One is Ivan Drago from Rocky IV. The other, the, my favorite, was the crocodile from Happy Gilmore. Oh, that's awesome! <laughs> I haven't seen that. And the other is the Predator. That's good. That's really yeah. good. I like you. You win today, Internet. Dude, I, something hit me the other day, and I, I put it up on Twitter, and I can't believe it didn't get more traction. But I was like, now hear me out. Killer Clowns from Outer Space versus Predator crossover. I'd watch it. I would watch that. That would be awesome. Did you see Prey? Yeah, I did. This it was the, really good. It's the best Predator movie since the original. Agreed. It goes I, Predator, I'd still put the... Prey, and then Predator 2. Agreed. And I don't care what anybody says. Pre- Predator 2 is a good movie. It is. People complain about it because it's not like the original, but why would you essentially remake the same movie? And it's got so many good people. It's got Bill Paxton in it. It's got Bill Paxton in it. You can't go wrong. And Danny Glover. Yeah. Everyone likes Danny Glover. Danny Glover being his Danny Gloverist. And you know what's crazy? In that... In that movie, when I first saw it as a kid, that movie came out in, what, like, 80... 90 or 91? What year did it? It was the 90s, because I think Predator 1 was 89. Yeah. Um, it came out in, like, 90, 91. You know, just him in the movie, his whole person... Like, he's always played older. You know, he's always like, I'm too old for this shit, like back in, <laughs> in the Lethal <laughs> Weapon movies. <laughs> But Danny Glover always played older than he was because even in Predator Two, like he's wearing like the you know the loose like houndstooth like pants and the button up shirt, and he's wearing like the you know the 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 hat and everything. Looks like he's like seventy years old. He was younger than me in those movies. He always looked old to me. (laughs) I always took him as like a you know late forties, early fifties kind of guy. Yeah. He Back was, then, he was like forty years old when he was getting too old for that shit. 
<laughs> so Predator 2 came out in 1990. Okay. And yeah. Predator 1 was 87. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it in a while, go check it out. It's good. If you want to capture like a very random soundbite, you should get the clip from the original Predator after Arnold like covers himself in mud and he holds up the torch and just screams yeah. into the jungle really loud. <laughs> I, lost, I gotta go capture just, that. That's good. Just for something random. But uh, now it's time for uh, This Month in Video Game History. In September of 1981, Namco releases Galaga, the sequel to Galaxian, which becomes more popular than the original. Love me some What's Galaga. What's Galaga? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have a uh, even you're not buying that one. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, who who hasn't played Galaga? Like it, it's it's one of those arcade titles that if you don't if you even if you've never played it, you know of it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's up there with Space Invaders, it's up there with Pac-Man as like the iconic arcade titles. To me, every arcade should have a Galaga machine. I just played Galaga this last weekend at, or was it last weekend or last weekend in a little small arcade at a pizza restaurant. We have a new arcade here in Pensacola called the Grid Arcade. I haven't checked it out yet. Uh, it's supposed to have like 30-something arcade machines. Nice. So I have to go check that out and give everyone my thoughts on it. Yeah. It's It sounds really cool, but we'll have to see. Uh, September of 1983, Namco, popular month for Namco, uh, releases Track and Field. I have never played Track and Field. Uh, I don't think I ever played it in the um, in the arcade, but I do remember playing. Uh, I don't know if it was called Track and Field, but it was like uh, it might have just been Atari Olympics. Did you ever play Atari Olympics? Mm-mm. It's where you had to, you know, because you know the Atari only had the one joystick, and mm-hmm. to make your character run, like say you were doing like the hundred yard dash or you were doing a uh, pole vault, you had to move the the arcade like the joystick back and forth real fast to get the guy to run and then press the button to make him like throw the javelin or you know plant the the pole for the pole vault and it would get so tiring that even my like my brother and my cousin did this when we were playing together like you would take the Atari controller and turn it upside down put it on the floor and then just use your foot to rock it back and forth <laughs> Because <laughs> it was so tiring to do with your hands. And then you just reach under there and hit the button when you're ready. That, that sounds like a very easy way to lose some skin on your hand oh, yeah. and on your foot. <laughs> that sounds so painful. Uh, right? Let us know if you did that, too. If you're old enough to have an Atari 2600 and you played like Atari Olympics or track and field or whatever it was called, and you know what I'm talking about, let us know that I know I'm not crazy. Uh, that sounds so see. painful. September 28th of 1990, Capcom releases Mega Man 3 for the NES in Japan, introducing the characters Rush and Proto Man. Mega Man Slide is introduced in Capcom's character cameos. Love me some Mega Man. Where would you rank Mega Man 3 um, in your favorite Mega Man games? I would put 2, 3, 1. From what little I've played of them, I would agree. And I'm not as familiar with four through six, so I shouldn't, you know, as far as my top three Mega Man games, it goes two, three, one, 
And uh, I, I will have to do some uh, reviews of 4 through 6 here soon, because I've never really played those too much. It's been a while since we've talked about a Mega Man game, too. Might have to do Mega Man month again. I'd be okay with that. Revisit the, the Mega Man X franchise yeah. and potentially rage quit again. <laughs> uh, let's see. Our last story, September 9th of 1995, Ubisoft releases Rayman for the PlayStation, Sega Saturn, and the Atari Jaguar. Was not expecting to say Atari Jaguar <laughs> this anytime soon on this show as well. I don't think we've reviewed a Rayman game either. Mm, I thought you did. I, th- I remember us talking I, about Rayman at some point because I always thought Rayman was weird because he's got like disembodied hands. It, they're not bad games. There was one that came out, I think, for the Wii U. It was like the Wii U and the PlayStation at the same time. It was called Rayman Legends, I believe. Uh, but uh, I, I don't have a ton of experience with Rayman from what I can remember, but. Let me actually look real quick. Uh, Jolenti in, ca- in the chat room says Mega Man 1 is a beast. It is, but if you play it on the Switch, like if you get the Mega Man Legacy Collection for the Switch and you have the, uh, the rewind feature, makes the game a lot easier. Sounds like it. We have not reviewed Rayman. Hmm. So, so might have to change that sometime soon. I will let you handle the Rayman. Rayman games. Yeah. I'm down for that, and I'm down for Mega Man Month, too. Mm, let's do that do sometime. We'll do that early we, 2023. Yeah, because it's usually like end of the year or beginning of the year is when the Mega Man games would always come out. Mm-hmm. So that but, sounds uh, good. Before we go into the review for tonight, Derek has shout-outs. As always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Armez Jackson, a happy belated birthday to Carlos Longoria, yes. a.k.a. Rampage. Rampage! Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mike Eveland, Jennifer Eveland, Joey Image, and Donna Diamond. Yes, that is my mother is <laughs> contributing to our Patreon. Mama Diamond. <laughs> Mama Diamond, yes. Shout out to her as well. Uh, yeah, shout out to all of you awesome patrons for helping keep the lights on for us here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. If you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, you get early access to our bonus episodes, which this month we did something a little different. We didn't do a commentary track. Me, you, and Wally did a spoilerific review mm-hmm. of Clerks 3, which I had a lot of fun doing because I hadn't really got a chance to talk about the movie. Mm-hmm. So it, it was cool to you know, finally get all of that out. It because was very it's, cathartic to talk about it. <laughs> it was. It really was. But it, I think it was good for all three of us yeah. to, to do it. But just be warned, but, uh, patrons, if you haven't listened to it yet or if you're going to join the Patreon, uh, that episode is very, very spoiler-filled. So if you haven't seen Clerks 3 yet, do not listen until you have seen it. And it will be out on Blu-ray and uh, I think on demand, October fourteenth, I believe. Uh, that Blue sounds Rain right. DVD. It's sometime in mid-October. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't seen it, just you can keep it in your archive, and it'll give you something to listen to after you see the movie. Mm-hmm. But we've also done fun commentary tracks like Clue, which that came up on my memories feed on Facebook that we did the Clue commentary track around a year ago. 
Matter of fact, I just I, crazy. I found Clue on DVD the other day. That's such a good movie. I, know, I, I, I can't Clue. believe I never had a copy of it. I, I finally found one. I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta have this. That's a heck of a find. Yeah. We've done other, you know, shows too, like Batman the Animated Series, Gargoyles, Darkwing Duck, a lot of '90s and '80s favorites, and we also do the uh, Nerd Cave Retro News Dump show mm-hmm. with you and Wally, which is a Patreon exclusive. Yes, that's a fun show to do. We only do it. Uh, we don't do it every week. We do it when there's uh, when news uh, persists, and uh, we get we jump online and we do about a, it's about fifteen minutes, just a fifteen minute news dump show with me and. Mr. Wally Phelps. So if you enjoy Wally's commentary and all that stuff on the commentary tracks, you will enjoy the news dump. So just go over to our Patreon. And as little as a dollar a month, get you access to all of it. Absolutely. Just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro to sign up. We want to tell you all about our friends over at videogamesmonthly.com. If you're looking for a way to beef up your video game collection, then they have you covered. Just head over there pick the box you want and tell them what systems you want games for and boom it's like christmas every single month so if you're looking for that perfect gift for a loved one or just treating yourself every single month and i mean hey you deserve it just head over to videogamesmonthly.com and enter ncr in the where did you hear about us line at checkout and you will get a free game in your first month's box that's right an extra game absolutely free so head over to videogamesmonthly.com are you a coffee lover do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions well you should head over to brezcoffeeco.com they have so many different flavors of coffee doesn't matter what type of coffee you like they got you covered Try the Good for Gaming Roast, or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... crazy is I had never heard the music in this game before because I'm not a Crash Bandicoot fan. This song that I had to capture was stuck in my head on loop since yesterday. So thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's that music can only mean one thing like that music is so I don't want to say iconic, but it's so recognizable. Like all I can I have to hear is like three seconds of it. I'm like, (laughs) Crash Bandicoot. That is an earworm, man. Dude, as soon as you hear that 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 little melody, it's going to be in your head on loop for days. It's gone through a couple of different versions and mixes because I think it was introduced... Well, it may go back as the first game, but go back as far as the first game. I can't entirely remember, but I know for a fact there was a version of it in the second one. But I think of the third one when I think of that song, but that I'm not reviewing any of those games tonight. I will be reviewing crash bandicoot, the wrath of 
Cortex, which is a 2001 platform game developed by Traveler's Tales and co-published by Universal Interactive Studios and Konami. It was first released for the PS2 and later ported to the Xbox and GameCube with Eurocom developing the GameCube version. The GameCube version didn't come out until like mid to late 2002. So pretty good delay with the GameCube version. That was the version that I played um, growing up because that's primarily what I played. I had a PS2, but if I had the choice, you know, with being a Nintendo fanboy at the time, Still kind of am, but I imagine I that the graphics might have been a little better on the GameCube. They were, they they were, but you know, I, I've talked about the the previous Crash Bandicoot games in past episodes, and I like them, but I don't love them. Like they they were fun to play growing up. They were kind of like Mario they have the platforming aspect but they were different enough to where it didn't feel like a carbon copy mm-hmm. after the third game I kind of fell off the Crash Bandicoot bandwagon for a little bit because Naughty Dog had stopped making the games I think their last one they made was uh, Crash Team Racing so this game is announced and it's done by Traveler's Tales which is Traveler's Tales is a pretty reputable developer in my opinion so i thought well they'll they'll probably do something good with it so i was kind of excited when this game came out i can still remember getting it pretty close to it wasn't a day one purchase but i got it not too long after it came out for the gamecube and to this day i can remember playing it played it for a couple of hours and i thought to myself it's okay like it's not really anything to write home about because this was around the time that Crash Bandicoot, just in general, fell off the face of the video game map. Like, you didn't hear about Crash Bandicoot for a while. There was a game for, I believe, the Game Boy Advance. And there may have been, I think there might have been one more game after this before you didn't hear from Crash Bandicoot for a while until they announced the, you know, the, the remastered collection that was done um, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, this game, it's a platforming game, much like the the three that came before it, in which you control uh, Crash and Crash's sister, Coco, who was introduced as a character in the second game, and she was playable in certain stages in the third game. Kind of similar in this one, where you, for the most part, play as Crash, but there are certain there are certain stages where you play as her because she's more, like, tech-savvy than Crash's, so things like where you drive vehicles and things like that you switch to Coco. Um, You have to gather 25 crystals to defeat the main antagonist of the story, Dr. Neocortex, his new super weapon, Crunch Bandicoot, and Crunch's power source, the Renegade Elementals. For those of you who are Crash Bandicoot fans, you know Aku Aku, the the witch doctor mask that follows Crash around. Um, his, His evil twin, Uka Uka, was introduced in the third game. So then, at the beginning of this, he breaks out these four elemental masks, which control the four elements of the Earth. Dr. Cortex develops a different bandicoot named Crunch, who is more like Crash Bandicoot if he were two feet taller and on steroids. (laughs) He's this big, jacked up, but he's not like an idiot. Like, he's actually pretty smart. So you go through um, the different warp stages. There are five worlds in each so 
this started in Crash Bandicoot 3. So you're in this warp room. It's kind of like your your main hub that you go to uh, to go to all the different levels. There are five rooms, and each room has five levels that are have different themes to them. So one theme might be more of like a a woodsy forest type area. The other might be more metropolis like. You go through those stages. You gather the crystals. Once you get all five in that world, then you fight um, Crunch or Crush Bandicoot, and he's powered by a different mask each time. So, like in the water stage, he obviously has water-based attacks, and you have to jump through these different platforms without getting hit by his attacks. You hit him, repeat the process. The boss fights are actually kind of easy which was a little disappointing to me going back and playing it you know this most recent time the the themes of it are kind of cool where like you have the water you got the fire it adds a cool little flair to it but i kind of thought the same thing after like the first few stages of going through this game where i'm like it's not bad it's not a bad game i just feel like it was kind of old hat at this point it didn't really do anything to reinvent the crash bandicoot formula like with with the new crash that came out a couple of years ago he's been out of the limelight for so long that i feel like if you return to it it would almost be like a breath of fresh air it's like that whole what's old is new again kind of situation but when this came out it was a few years after warped which is the third game and it felt like a carbon copy of it down to the music the your hub world looks relatively the same the themes are the same you've just got a few different boss fights and there there are a couple of new elements too like one of my favorites is there are certain stages where you play as crash and you're in this giant glass ball almost like a like you'd put a hamster in mm-hmm. and you have to go up these ramps and you know you collect your collectibles and whatnot and it's more precision based and all the you have to go up and down ramps and slants and whatnot, so it, it's a little more strategic. But those are few and far between. That's what I was gonna say. Like, how different could you make the game when it follows kind of like this same standard formula for you know three games now? Like, they, it seems like they kind of just iter like the first three games they kind of iterated on the same theme and just built upon it. But then by the time you get to four, it's like it's sort of just the same thing over and over again it sounds like well with with 2 it was it was the same but also pretty different than the than the original because the graphics looked better mm-hmm. you incorporated the element of uh collecting the crystals because in the first game you only collect gems so when you go through the stages you come across various uh, wooden crates that you break. If you break all the crates in a level, you get a gem. That's what you would do in the original game. The second game, they added the crystals. They added a little bit more of a variety of levels because the first one is completely tropical island-based. In two, you get your snow worlds, you get your jungles, your space, rainforest, you know, things like that. Yeah. With the, the third one... <sighs> That's where they kind of started to copy the same formula. Like it felt kind of the same as the second one, but you had uh, you had the addition of Coco as a playable character. 
you had um, levels where you would ride on a motorcycle and you would race other enemies. So there was a little bit of a, a different enough variety. But when you get to this game, I don't think there was really anything that you could have added to make it like a a new enough experience for like the veteran crash players like myself. Yeah. So if you had so, your preference to, to play this on PS2 or the GameCube, would you have gone GameCube? Yeah. Uh, it's just because I like the GameCube better overall. I like, and not to knock the P- the PlayStation controller because it's not bad, but as I've talked about numerous times, the GameCube controller probably is my favorite controller of all time. I have small hands, so it fits like perfectly into my hands. Like the they have the little indentions on the the left and right buttons. It's almost like you're not holding a controller. Yeah. Like it's that light and that comfortable. It's weird going like like you know I play my PS4 and then I go back and play the PS2, and it's shocking how much like smaller that controller is compared to, you know the, at least I've never played a PS5, but the PS4 controllers are kind of weighty. You know, they feel more solid than they have in the past. And you go back to the PlayStation 2, and it's like they feel like they're going to crumble in my hands. <laughs> like, they're just, like, just little light pieces of plastic. Well, it feels so thin, too. You know, I picked up my PlayStation 2 controller not too long ago. It feels like the the plastic is like a yeah. like a quarter of an inch thick. Like, you're just... You're just gonna break it. Like if you just if you squeeze it hard if enough, you could just twist it and just instantly it would just like snap in half. Yeah, yeah, but I the GameCube controller like it feels light, but I never feel like I'm gonna break it. Yeah, as as plasticky and toy like it looks, it's it's got some some. It's a tank. That that controller is a tank. Hmm. Yeah, I wish, and it's cool because now anytime Nintendo releases a new Smash Brothers game, because with Melee being as popular as it still is, people love playing it on the GameCube controller. So like when Ultimate came out for the Switch, they released a, a GameCube controller adapter mm-hmm. that you could plug into your system. Like just, That's just how popular and in demand that is with with smash brothers fans because it's a great so controller that, it's just a, a great all-around controller and it's crazy the staying power that it's had because like it is as mixed of a reviews as the gamecube got when it came out i feel like that controller is just universally praised by most people i know and i think the gamecube is still one of the best consoles <laughs> that nintendo put out i'm sorry i think those games that the quality of the games on that that console are fantastic. Oh, I would totally agree. But uh, to kind of go back to to the Wrath of Cortex, it was originally intended to be designed by Mark Searney. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right. Who has designed all the games in the series so far and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. The game under his direction was to be a free roaming title with puzzle elements that would see Crash traveling between different planets. In early 2000, when Universal approached Traveler's Tales to be the development team behind the game, they produced a 3D rendered demo of Crash running through a volcanic level. Uh, The development began in mid-2000, was originally titled Crash Bandicoot Worlds. Then, uh, let's see, 
On September 21st, 2000, Universal and Konami announced they had entered an agreement that would enable Konami to publish a Crash Bandicoot game for next generation game systems. So then the changes went from there and we kind of got the same old thing. I would have been curious as to what would have happened had this been... Because I, I like the name Crash Bandicoot Worlds and I think going to different planets would have been enough of a change up. Like the, the formula of the you know, the platforming element would still be the same. Yeah. But like it's take him out of that tropical element and put him into a, you know, outer space like element. (laughs) Yeah. And and there have been outer space elements teased and included in games that go back as far as the second one. But again, you still have that same hub world. You've got basically the same music you got kind of the same storyline. Like I, I like the elemental masks, like those were pretty cool. But it just didn't really have much to offer after that. And it's it's not a bad game. Like I don't despise it by any means, but it just has the unfortunate reality of being the fourth game in a pretty long-standing franchise up to that point cash grab and it, it, <laughs> yep that's it, basically what it is but it's it's got some cool levels i'll give it that i i like the the kind of i call it the hamster wheel levels like those are fun because they're different but other than that i kind of felt like i was playing dlc for crash bandicoot 3 essentially see it says here uh the the game's fixed camera angles and limited perspectives were set to um and limited perspectives were said to result in frustrating trial and error gameplay that's my biggest problem with a lot of games like this from this era yeah it's uh, the camera was uh, kind of a bear for a lot of companies to figure out like especially sega like I, I like Sonic Adventure one and two, but the camera system is atrocious in those games. And even when they re-released them for the GameCube, they didn't really do that much to fix them. Why did it, it take just, us so long to figure out that the camera should be the right stick? <laughs> we're they don't pay us enough money to figure that out. <laughs> it took like seven but, years to figure that out. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> that that could be a whole nother discussion about that. Uh, but as far as reception goes, uh, The Wrath of Cortex received mixed or average reviews according to review aggregator Mega- Metacritic. Reviewers felt the game was a non-challenging repetition of the formula set by the previous games, with Ben Kosmina of Nintendo World Report summarizing the game's structure as a carbon copy of Crash 3. That's mm. what I said. Uh, Louis uh, Begadin of games on this kind of a cool name. However, declared Wrath of Cortex to be better than the preceding games. I disagree with that 100%. <laughs> it's if this had been Crash 2 or even Crash 3, I might be inclined to agree. But if I were to skip ahead to how like how I would rank the games, 2 is my favorite, then 3 then I would say Wrath of Cortex. It's still a better game than the original. Mm-hmm. Then Wrath of Cortex, and then the original would be my last one. Uh, see, as well as the hardest game in the series, and welcome the new levels, abilities, and vehicles. Uh, see, it was compared to Marble Madness. That's a pretty good comparison. 
uh, as far as the hamster wheel levels go. Uh, the graphics were positively received for their rich color palette and increased definition and special effects from the previous games were generally seen as less impressive than those of competing games on their respective systems. Electronic Gaming Monthly, and I'll just list off the, the GameCube versions. Uh, they gave it a 6 out of 10. GameSpot, a 5.1 out of 10. GameZone, 7.2. IGN, 6.9. And Nintendo World Report, 7.5. I can't remember what I gave one through three, but I'd say on a scale of one to ten, I'd give this, I'd say probably a five. Yeah. I'd say it's like a, a middle of the road type of game. It's not bad. I enjoyed it for what it was, but it's not as good as some of the other installments. I will say I I like the cover art for this this one the best. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Is it's got uh, he's basically in the um what do you call that the load lifter from Aliens? Yep. <laughs> that that's a nice little homage. Yeah, and that, that using that machine is one of the cooler aspects of the game. But again, you're you're kind of just <sighs> There's just not a lot that's new. Like, if you're playing a Crash Bandicoot game for the first time and you play this, you're probably going to like it if you like those types of games. If you're like me and you played the original when it came out and played all the sequels, you know, around the time of their release, it just feels like old hat to you. But it's it's a pretty good platformer. I, I will give it that. But if I'm comparing it to other games in the series, I would say it's... It's about a middle-of-the-road game, yeah. but it's any, not bad. Are there any more Crash games like this after this? Uh, Let's see. There were... Uh, let's see. There was Twin Sanity, which you, where you play as both Crash and Cortex. Then there was Mind Over Mutant, which I never played. Um, that came out in 2008. And then uh, It's About Time, which was the, the, the true Crash Bandicoot mm-hmm. 4. Because it was built as Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. Okay. So, yeah, there's there's a couple after this, which I, I haven't played any of the other ones. But um, I, I'd like to play some of the... Uh, oh, I did play The Huge Adventure, which was the Game Boy Advance game. <laughs> I didn't which realize was a, there were so many Crash Bandicoot games. Yeah, it's just unfortunately, it was like after this game came out, you didn't hear about crash all that much because i i still remember seeing the crash bandicoot commercials on tv when oh, yeah. you know the second and third games came out it's like crash was for a time a pretty popular character well he was pretty and much he's, the he's, mascot for sony up until what 99 or so mm-hmm. it was like once naughty dog stopped making the crash games was when his popularity fell off yeah he just he didn't have the staying power of you know mario or sonic and which someone make the argument that sonic didn't have the the staying power because (laughs) people didn't like the 3d games yeah well he kind of fell out of favor for about a decade or so there um it looks like the uh, that new sonic game that's coming out is going to be pretty good so we'll have to check that out when it comes out I'm very curious and also concerned because it's an open world game. And I'm like, I don't know if that's a, the right right formula to put Sonic in. But, I mean, I'm not going to be a liar to the listeners and say I'm not going to play it because we all know I am. Yeah. 
but I, I'm I'm gonna go in with an open mind. It's a very risky thing to bring Sonic into a 3D world. Mm-hmm. I if it were me, I would just go back to the 2D formula like they did with Sonic Mania. Yeah, but that's that's just me. But we'll see. But that brings us to the end of the episode. I want to remind everybody that you can send us voicemails at anchor.fm slash nerdcaveretro. We will play them on the show. You can get the anchor.fm app as well on your smartphones, and you can just record us in voicemail right there and send it right to us. And uh, so before we get out of here tonight, Derek, what's going on with feature presentation? So I dropped a surprise a bonus episode for everyone last week. I had the chance to interview. We were talking about Cobra Kai earlier. I got the chance to interview Owen Morgan, who plays the character of Bert. Uh, if you don't know his name, he's the the younger kid who has like like kind of longish red hair and glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, switched between Cobra Kai and and Eagle Fang. He has only acted in one thing. That's it, and that is Cobra Kai. <laughs> wow. He he auditioned to be an extra, and he impressed the creators, and they gave him a speaking role, and that's kind of how he got to where he is. That's awesome. It, it's it's pretty wild. So, but he tells some cool stories about uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff with Cobra Kai. So that that's out. And then tonight at 8 p.m. Central Time over on the Feature Presentation YouTube channel, I will be chatting with executive producer Teresa Kelton, who has been working in the film industry now for several years, uh, has gone from acting to working behind the scenes. And uh, for you 90s uh, kids like me, she executive produced an animated series based off of Harriet the Spy, which is a it's based off a book, but there was a movie in the 90s that Nickelodeon did with uh, Michelle Trachtenberg. Uh, it was the first movie Nickelodeon ever did. So it's an animated version of that. Uh, so she'll be on the show to talk about that and uh, her career. So awesome. that'll be over at 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time over on YouTube. And you can follow the show on social media at Feature Press Pod. And just go follow my other show, the Open Micros Podcast, with me and Mr. Jacob Craig, uh, fellow comedian. Uh, go, It's at Open Micros on Twitter and Instagram. We've talked to so many cool people lately. Um, this week we're doing a hostful episode. Uh, no guests this week, so it's a little witty banter between me and Mr. Craig. And uh, also this month we decided not to torture him uh, physically this month for Patreon. So we did a uh, commentary track for the very first episode of The Cosby Show. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, that's under that's beyond, that's under uh, behind the paywall on our other Patreon over there, Open Micers. But it will be available to the public next week. So go check it out at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. So, Derek... Is there anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Everywhere else you need to go is nerdcaveretro.com. That takes you to our link tree, takes you to our Twitter, to our Instagram, to our Facebook, and of course to our merch our, our merch shop, which you can also go to ncrmerch.com. You can get t-shirts, mugs, bags, stickers, magnets, whatever you need. Anything you need is over there at ncrmerch.com. And of course, patreon.com slash retro, where you can support the show and go get those extra episodes like the, the news dump with me and Wally and our commentary tracks. And this week, th- this month we did Clerks 3 Review. Go get that. 
over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So tell them what to expect, Derek. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Master Blaster runs by the town.